Welcome to Machine Learning. Okay, today I want to talk about what the economy needs. Well, it's not good. The word is, it's not working for most people. Why does the economy need to be reformed? That's the question I want to talk about. It's not working. Wages for the most Americans have been stagnant for decades, decades, and the economic growth that we have experienced has largely benefited the wealthiest among us. So people complain about that, about people getting wealthy. That's not a problem. I don't have a problem with wealth generation. But the, the regulations, when government and big business get lined up together, then there's a larger transfer of wealth to the top 1%. And so 10 corporations own 85% of all the assets. And that, to me, that's not competitive. I want a competitive environment. I want a free market system where there's lots of competition. And when you have monopoly-like barriers to money, then you don't have that competition. So I dislike that. Um, the second thing that's affecting <coughs> growth is debt. And I'm going to talk about <coughs> our national debt. $30 trillion, how that is uh, uh, unsustainable, and wished that uh, Trump had repudiated the debt, national debt. Well, we he could have. Instead, we now have the burden of the oligarchies who have left us with this tremendous amount of debt due to war, and that's a problem. Um, and eventually, it needs to be uh, forgiven. And debt usury is immoral in my mind because it uh, creates self-replication of an inanimate object. Reproduction of an inanimate object is immoral. So um, the, the idea behind the Keynesian economic, economic theorist was to do quantitative easing. And quantitative easing has not worked for Japan. They've had over 40 years of slow devaluating yen. And they've not been able to um, sustain their economy with 250% GDP of GDP uh, spending by the government. And we are now over 100% of GDP spending by the government. So it's not sustainable in the sense that we have too high of debt ratios. And what happens is that debt slows the economic growth because the interest rate is a burden. Um, and so it slows the amount, it reduces the amount of profit margin for companies. And so uh, the consequence is lower levels of employment and higher levels of government socialized programs to try to sustain that employment levels. Okay, so the way the cycles have been working in the past is war creates large amounts of debt and peace creates large amounts of prosperity. And so in the past, there's always been a balance between uh, peace periods of peace and periods of war. So during the Civil War, we had some of the greatest periods of economic growth from the Civil War to 1913 because the, the, 
the United States was in the process of healing from a, a horrific war that killed a large portion of the population as the North and South fought each other. During that time, there was little debt and our currency was tied to gold. So we had a physical asset. I still believe today that our currency has a gold backing in part because of the executive order of John F. Kennedy. Today the Fed has more, holds more than $4 trillion in U.S. debt and the U.S. national debt is more than $30 trillion. Student loan debt itself is over a trillion dollars. This makes for an all-time high. Um, we have some of, we have been on the greatest debt binge in the history of the world, and we are now re- reaping the consequences. Jim Rickards uh, explained this case. The United States has no central, at the time of this, of the early part, the United States had no central bank. It had no debt problems. It had no welfare state. And most Americans had never again had uh, never even traveled beyond the borders of their state. No one had ever heard of terrorism. And the biggest difficulty that Americans faced were crossing the street in the middle of the town and dealing with horse manure in the streets. That's what he said. And he yields to the idea of the paradox of debt. Okay, here's the paradox of debt. When you have high periods of inflation due to monetary expansion, what's actually happening is that uh, those who have debt are paying back their debt with cheaper money. And so as a consequence, we we go to the store and we pay twice as much for the food that we once paid, let's say, um, $300, we now pay $600 for our food bill. And so the cost of living increases relative to the inflation. And if our wages aren't increasing at the rate of inflation, then we in essence are getting poorer. So the destruction of the middle class is occurring. And we've known that it was happening for a long time, but we haven't known why. Well, here's why. Rickard says that the eventually the aftermath of the coming collapse will follow the curtain, current expansion, monetary expansion, inflation. That's what he's talking about. And this has been going on since 2009, and that was called quantitative easing. Now, this Keynesian theory, practiced in Japan, led to a 40-year-plus economic depression. Central banks took the pressure off with money printing, zero interest rates, currency swaps, and other guarantees behind the scene, but the underlying balance remained. Debtors hate inflation, deflation because they are repaying with expensive money. So the Fed will do everything it can to pre- uh, prevent deflation from occurring because it doesn't want to have to, re- it doesn't want to experience the bank's destabilization. Likewise, inflation, they're paying back money with diluted money, with less buying power. And during inflation, it hurts less to pay down debt, but everything else costs more, but debt, paying down debt uh, hurts less. And during inflation, you're paying with the debtors with less value, money with less value than when you borrow with. 
So the buying power of that money has changed. And so as a consequence, the banks, in order to uh, adjust for the devaluation due to inflation, have to raise interest rates. So money becomes tight. Deflation puts stress on the banks. The Fed's job is to stabilize the banks. Therefore, the Fed fights deflation by increasing the money supply, causing inflation. Now, the reasoning behind inflation is that as long as there's gross national production, in other words, that the government can claim that the economy is growing, then they say that it's sustainable in that people are producing more and getting higher wages. And even though things are inflating, uh, they're able to still keep pace. But that won't be sustainable forever because inflation is tied to the price of gold. And then the only way to keep inflation from raging out of control is to keep gold prices down. <laughs> and the use of derivatives to and short contracts to keep the uh, derivatives down by placing massive numbers of short calls on the on gold prices uh, is not sustainable. Banks cannot tolerate deflation because it increases the real value of the debt. So that debt becomes more and more painful on their books. And uh, as defaults increase, the probabilities of repaying that debt decrease. The national debt of the United States has not been growing in a linear fashion, as noted as many assume. Rather, U.S. debt follows a sine wave pattern traditional it balloons in times of war and is paid off in times of peace well we've I've talked about the golden age where there's been record levels of peace and the you know the demise of the empire empires have decreased you have empires that are shorter and um, tyranny is is a shorter period of time. Even with the Russian-Ukraine conflict, and it, as it spreads into Poland and uh, uh, Lithuania and Latvia, it will be short-lived because of the sheer cost. It's costing Russia $21 billion a day to engage in this conflict. Over a 35-year period of time, from 45 to 80, the U.S. reduced debt to GDP from 120% to 30% through bipartisan effort. The politicians know how to solve the problem, but right now the Fed has got them so injected with um, money that they're blind to the fact that they will eventually have to correct this problem. But the war debt was paid off during times of peace between 1820, 1870, 1920, and 1990s. It was only after 2000 things went off the rails. Government debt was straight under, was went straight up under George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden. Uh, low debt helped grow the economy. Periods of high growth occurred as debt is low. Rick Hartz and, and Rogart's work states, once debt surpasses 90% of GDP, it is impossible to grow out of that debt. So right now, 
U.S. Uh, GDP is about uh, $21 trillion, and uh, we have $30 trillion of debt. And for the economy to grow itself out of that debt, of that $21 trillion economy, it would need to be $50 trillion right now. So over two, about two and a half per, two and point two or so percent of times factors to grow ourselves out of debt. So now we're watching the, uh, the abnormal behavior and wondering if the politicians will ever um, repent and uh, re begin to repair the debt where, in a time where it looks like they'll move just the opposite, where they'll increase expenditures uh, in war and then balloon the debt beyond our ability to pay it at current. So either taxation will go up or um, inflation will. But at the current pace, inflation does not seem to be sustainable and eventually will return back to deflation economics.